It's 11.30 here on KRVN, which which means it's time for midday on this Tuesday. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Glad to be a part of your day, wherever you may be listening. And a great show coming up for you today. Of course, one of our main stories is the weather. We'll hear more about that in our regional ag weather update in about 15 minutes with our own Paul Perkins. He'll break down how hot it's going to be today through tomorrow. Of course, the heat advisory will go into effect at the top of the hour. Jason's in with uh, Loper football news and uh, some ranking news, preseason rankings, that is. And Bob will tell us how stocks are performing so far here on this Tuesday. But let's head to our Lincoln office and catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And uh, Susan, how are things going on in your world? It's chilly in here. I almost wish I would have wore a sweatshirt, so I think I'm going to run outside to warm up. Have you ever been in the uh, KRVN uh, room that we're in right now? This thing yeah, stays at like 40, 40, no, it's not ever hot it's in here. Not? It's never been hot. I don't think this place has ever been hot. It's it's a meat locker in this room. Oh, I was thinking the farm booth where Clay's in. That's what oh, I was no. thinking for warmth. No, it's it's very, very cool in here, and uh, we're just numb all the time. As long as our air conditioning is working. True. Yeah. Now, you probably should temper those words. <laughs> Young I Skywalker. I know, especially today and tomorrow. <laughs> These yeah, are going to be the days, then it doesn't go. So, all right. Yeah. Well, what do you have coming up for us uh, here on the uh, midday? Well, I'll kick everything off here at twelve uh, during the 12 o'clock hour with Kurt Blades. He's with the American Equipment Manufacturers. We're going to talk about equipment sales. They are picking up, but some interesting things that are happening with equipment and what folks are asking for. Then at 12.45, Bryce steps in as UNL has announced a state-of-the-art Nebraska equine sports complex. We'll get more details on that facility. And then Whitney will wrap up everything at 117 as the Nebraska Big Rodeo is celebrating their 100th anniversary. So that's a midday on this Tuesday. All right, a lot of good stuff coming up. You stay warm, I guess. I know it's weird to say on this kind of day, but you stay warm in the studio. Sounds good, and I'll talk to you tomorrow from U.S. Grains Council. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much. Let's catch up with Jason Jorgensen and the MIAA polls was released today for football. Yeah, media day is going on. This is as high as the Lopers have ever been picked in the preseason polls. They're fourth in the media, fifth for the coaches. I had a vote in that poll. Uh, I I picked the Lopers a strong three. Oh, okay. Five five's way too low. All right. But we'll see what happens when we get to the middle of November. But you were being realistic. I didn't, I didn't, sometimes you know those guys, but yeah, oh, one, yeah. one, one, one first. We're going to finish first. <laughs> no, I'm being realistic. Okay, uh, enough, I, yeah. I think the Lopers have a very, very good chance of finishing the top third in the league this fall. Most of the talent comes back, right? It does. And they have uh, one of the most explosive players in the league and quarterback, mm-hmm. T.J. Davis. Mm-hmm. So on, on paper, mm-hmm. this is Coach Lynn's best team. All right, should be exciting. Can't wait for football. All right, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing? Stocks lower in trading, and they are pulling back from their latest record highs. Uh, they're down pretty good right now, kind of down the slope a little bit. U.S. home prices registered the fastest growth in 17 years in May, and the International Monetary Fund is sharply upgrading its economic outlook this year for the world's wealthy countries. Details on those coming up. All right, shipping available. It's time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is now joining us. And top story, breaking news. Not even breaking (laughs) news, just kidding. Today and tomorrow, obviously, 
The heat is the main story today. Yes, uh, the heat warming. Uh, today's uh, weather, actually, the warm-up pack for tomorrow's peak of the heat, when many of us expect to get into the upper 90s to low 100s mm-hmm. for actual highs. A lot of us today about 95 to 100 on the daytime highs. And then in certain areas, like our area, the humidity is going to play a factor, too. Yeah, already we're seeing those dew points crank up there. Many of us in central and east Nebraska right now in the low to mid-70s for dew points. Anytime that dew point gets above 75 or 65, that's when you do feel that humidity. And we're as high as 75 on the dew point right now in Aurora and York. Even some high dew points on into west-central Nebraska, North Platte and McCook with uh, dew points right now in the upper 60s. Low 60s for a little more comfortable dew point in northwest Kansas, also northeast Colorado, and the Nebraska Sandhills on into the Panhandle, but a lot of us very sticky with those dew points, low to mid-70s. Actual air temperatures for most of us in the mid to upper 80s, but already some low 90s, 92 at Ogallala and 91 in northeast Colorado, and right at 90 over northwest Kansas at Atwood, Oberlin, and Norton. Yeah, today is going to be a heater, and that also brings us to that heat advisory that will go into effect here in the next 15 minutes. Exactly, yeah, heat advisory for the area noon today until 9 tomorrow evening for heating next readings as high as 108 so be new make sure you do take uh, plenty of plenty of breaks today and also tomorrow from the heat and drink plenty of water today and tomorrow sunny hot and humid those highs mostly 10 to 15 degrees above normal as the ridge of high pressure expands east onto the plains temperatures might be held back a little bit by that smoky haze that you see overhead that haze you see up in the sky right now in Nebraska and Kansas, not cloud cover because we are cloud-free in all of Nebraska and Kansas, but some hazy uh, smoke right now from the western wildfires. Combination of the heat and humidity, making it feel like it's in the 100s for this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon. Once again, drink plenty of water, take frequent breaks in the shade. Heat wave and high pressure ridge breaking down when a cold front sags to the south on Thursday. That cold front, the spark for some scattered thunderstorms late Thursday into Thursday night. A high-pressure ridge retreating to the southwest, allowing for multiple disturbances to track southeast for some off-and-on thunderstorm chances for Friday into Monday. With the front moving through on Thursday, daytime highs still slightly above normal, but those daytime highs cool to seasonal levels for Friday. Then we're going to be slightly cooler than usual for the weekend into Monday. Many of us with highs for the weekend into Monday in the low to mid-80s. In the long-term forecast, overall temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas likely to be seasonal to slightly above normal this weekend through the first nine days of August. We will start to see those temperatures start to warm back up after that weekend cool down. In some improving rain chances for Nebraska, rainfall likely to be near normal this weekend through August 9th. Kansas starts out with near normal rainfall this weekend through early next week, but the Kansas rainfall trends slightly below normal late next week through August 9th. Key weather factors impacting the markets include heat across the U.S. and flooding concerns for China. Intense hot weather is gripping Montana and the Dakotas, where today's high temperatures will exceed 105 in some locations. Many crops in the northern U.S., including spring wheat, are irreversibly harmed by the drought. With harvest underway, 66% of the spring wheat crop rated very poor to poor in areas of the upper Midwest where soil moisture is lacking. Building heat is increasing the stress on corn and soybeans. Topsoil moisture is rated more than 80% very short to short in Minnesota and the Dakotas, along with 53% in Iowa and 46% very short to short on topsoil moisture in Nebraska. The second half of this week, lingering heat will be relegated to the southern U.S., while below normal temperatures start to cover the Midwest and Northeast. Rain totals the next five days could reach one to three inches in the southeast 
to us and from the Great Lakes into the northeast. While large sections of the plains remain mostly dry, there is a good chance for some helpful rain Friday and Saturday in Nebraska, but it is questionable whether Kansas will get much of the rain. Another round of beneficial rain this weekend may get most of Iowa with some timely rains. That system, though, could dump some more heavy rain to saturated soils in Missouri and Illinois. In central China, a typhoon has weakened significantly but still contains tropical rainfall. As the storm moves further inland, that could mean flooding rains for corn and soybean areas of China, but there is some uncertainty with the track and intensity of the rain, especially after Thursday. Well, it's nice to hear that there's a potential for rain towards the end of this week for Nebraska, at least. Yeah, it looks like uh, better chances, especially with this front moving through that ridge finally giving way because right now that high pressure ridge just suppressing any chances for rain but once it retreats off to the southwest by later this week we'll see those disturbances pass through probably some off and on some scattered thunderstorm chances across the area but right now once again uh, heat index readings in the low to mid 90s out there so already feeling toasting all right we'll stay cool as much as possible today through tomorrow just got to get through wednesday and then obviously back to kind of relatively normal temperatures by Thursday. For a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. Fresca. Could there be a boom coming in ag equipment sales? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I talked to Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President of Ag Service at AEM. That's the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Well, ag equipment sales for the last few months have uh, have really been quite strong. Really, you know, really since April of last year, we've been on a on a bull market for for ag equipment sales, with each month besting the the, the previous year's numbers, and that's really continued all the way up until really last month. Um, in June, we started to see that come off just a little bit, but man, year to date, we're still significantly up. Uh, in all categories of equipment uh, uh, for the year so far. Well, I think that really shows where the ag economy then is at this point. Absolutely. I regularly say that capital equipment and specifically combines and larger tractors are a very good indicator of farmer sentiment. I mean, you don't, you don't invest in a, in a new combine unless you feel pretty good about the future of your business operation. Uh, that's not a, that's a considered purchase. That's not something you decide one day that you're going to buy and then buy it. You you think about it because you need to make sure that it fits within the economics. So with those combine sales up 11% for the year uh, in the United States, that kind of makes you think that uh, farmers feel pretty optimistic about, uh, about the future business. And as they do with their operation, they worry about the environment as well. And I think that goes into the mode when they're selecting the equipment they're going to purchase. Absolutely. I mean, I think a farmer mindset, you know, farmers are the, the, the first stewards of the land, obviously, you know, it's in their best interest to make sure that the land is, is tended for and it's, and it's well taken care of. But they're also business people. And, you know, the beautiful thing about new equipment, and certainly that new equipment includes precision agriculture technology, is that that, you know, that, that uh, technology built into it, has got built-in environmental savings that also deliver significant economic benefits for farmers. So let's talk about engines as an example. The newer engines and new tractors are about 20% more efficient uh, in burning diesel than the, than the previous generation. I mean, if you talk about that from an economic standpoint, that becomes real dollars, and we're talking about $3, three uh, dollar a gallon diesel fuel. 
but you add to that the efficiency and the less particulate matter that comes out of the engine to begin with, then there starts to add up to be some really significant environmental benefits as well. You guys did a study on precision agriculture. I'll tell you what, it's been a lot of fun telling this story to anyone that would listen. This is a study we, we built specifically for a non-farm audience uh, to really point to the fact that there are some built-in savings that have automatically come as a result of farmers buying precision agriculture. In fact, what we have found just in the production gains alone directly attributed to precision agriculture through auto guidance, variable rate technology, section control, we've been able to see about a 4% gain in overall productivity or the equivalent of about four and a half Yellowstone National Parks. And those are real numbers. And when you start telling that story to environmentalists, they listen because they recognize that farmers are part of the environmental solution using the tools that they have at their disposal today. And boy, a whole lot of really interesting technology just right around the corner. And that's my conversation with Kurt Blades, Senior Vice President of Ag Services at the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us. And once again, we're talking about media days. We are. MIAA Football Day took place today in Kansas City. UNK has its highest ever preseason ranking in the polls. They're picked fourth by the conference media and fifth by the league's head coaches. Outside linebacker Travis Holcomb of Carroll says the Lopers are ready to go. What a blessing it is to finally get back to some normalcy finally. Sure. Um, being able to get everyone back in the weight room back in the meeting rooms and stuff to finally get back to some normalcy and move forward. Uh, it's been pretty nice. Uh, we, we lost Coach Lewis as our D coordinator, so Coach Gallus. So this offseason, we've got some time to really get to know what he's about um, and then meet our new linebackers coach, uh, Coach Vaughn, get to know him some more. Coach Jocelyn and his staff will have a veteran and talented team this fall. They have to 57 upperclassmen dotting a roster of just over 130 players. They start fall practice on Monday, August 9th, with their season opener set for Thursday, September 2nd, at home against Missouri Southern. Of course, we will bring you all of the UNK games this fall over on 93.1 and 106.9 at Kearney. Tyler, the goods are there, and mm-hmm. the Lopers be pretty strong. I think it's easy to forget how good this team played because you had this weird, wonky season uh, ago, and then you, then you have... You forget about the mineral water bowl that happened. It seems like eons ago it at this does. point. <laughs> but I mean, a, a lot of those guys are coming back. So, I mean, it, you have the, the base is there. The structure is there. I and say. you have one of the more talented players in the league and quarterback, T.J. Davis. They're also continuing to add some guys this week. We can't give the names just yet, but they're adding some guys this week that will help on the defensive end. Mm. Uh, this is as good of a team as uh, Jocelyn has had in his four years in Kearney. That'd be a lot of fun. A lot of progress. Yep. Legion baseball continues at the B6 tournament in Minden. McCook takes on Donovan Trumbull at 5, and Minden will take on Broken Bow at 8. Broken Bow is undefeated so far in this tournament. Mm-hmm. North Platte plays Scott this afternoon at 4 in an elimination game in the Seniors National Division Tournament. 
which is going on in the eastern part of the state. And the Russian Olympic Committee has won the gold medal in the women's gymnastics after U.S. star Simone Bellis was a, had to drop out with a medical issue. The ROC posted a team score of 169.528 ahead of the U.S. Um, the USA was also edged out in the men's competition by uh, ROC. If you're wondering, uh, that's Russian Olympic Committee due to the fact they were... I think it was because they were cheating and they couldn't actually say they were a rush jet. It's a mess. <laughs> Other guys were cheating, so then I think you get like this specific ban for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's it's stupid. it's the Olympics. Yeah. Also, the Royals with a nice dead cat bounce here in the middle of summer as they've won six in a row. As last night they knocked off the White Sox four to three. Jorge Soler, who'd been yeah. swinging and missing yeah. for most of the summer, now has six home runs mm-hmm. in the last eight games. The first one he hit last night, I'm surprised it didn't end up on I-70. Mm. He crushed that thing to center field. He's got a lot of power. Yeah, He's a fun player to watch. If he gets a hold of it, watch out. When are they going to call up Bobby Wade Jr.? Uh, September? Hopefully. Uh, I don't know if they bring him up or not. You don't think so? Uh, yeah. Saving the pain and agony of <laughs> seeing all of this. But at the same time, you know, if you're looking to get some fans in the stands or that kind of thing, maybe a September call-up. That's usually what happens. He's played well at Omaha. Also, first base right. prospect uh, Nick Prado has also yes. played very well at Omaha. So they want they want to be careful with those two guys and their development because they're a couple of key key pieces of the future of Royals baseball. Good to see the development actually working there for Kansas City, unlike uh, Bubba Starling, who uh, things have yeah, he's, not he worked out being for him. A 4A player. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thank you very much. History is being made at the Summer Games, and we're in Tokyo to bring you the results and the drama behind the upsets, upstarts, and favorites. CBS Sports Briefs from the Summer Games. Listen for special Olympic reports on 880. Time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is now joining us. And Dave, we're finding out more information about that fatal drive-by shooting here in Lexington that happened uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely. The two men were arrested yesterday in connection with the case, and they were arraigned this morning in Dawson County Court. Alberto Sainz Gonzalez and Francisco Hernandez Corona were each arraigned on charges of first-degree murder and use of a weapon to commit a felony. Now, the first-degree murder charge carries a penalty of life in prison. Dawson County attorney Elizabeth Waterman said she would not be seeking the death penalty in the case. Judge Jeffrey Whiteman continued their bonds, which were previously set at $1 million cash each, and their next hearing set for August 10th. The men are accused of killing 23-year-old Marcus S. Keezer in the early morning hours of July 6th. He was found around 3.10 a.m. deceased in front of a residential garage in the 800 block of West 9th Street, according to Lexington Police Chief Tracy Wolf, Law enforcement had actually been called to the area about an hour earlier on an anonymous report of gunshots. Officers from Lexington Police Department, Dawson County Sheriff's Office, and Nebraska State Patrol responded at that time but no activity was found. Uh, So uh, that case uh, continues. It's uh, set for next hearing on August 10th. 
The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier replica will be coming to North Platte July 31st through August 1st at the Buffalo Bill State Historical Park. Michelle Lipamick, with the Daughters of the American Revolution and coordinator of the event, says it will start at 8.30 on Saturday with a funeral procession mimicking the laying of the tomb in Arlington back in 1921. So what we're going to replicate here is at 8.30 at the 20th Century Memorial, which is at I-80 and Highway 83. We will have 15 horses from the Sheriff's Posse in procession with flags, followed by a Morgan horse, an antique wagon, which is called a Democrat wagon. It's not political, it's just the name of the wagon, with a casket with a flag on it. That will then be followed by a dignitary car of three DAR ladies. It's going to weave through the downtown area. We will have all the businesses on that route have flags, as well as handing out flags. And the tomb will be available for viewing from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. on both days. Scam activity has been a a sharp increase lately as scammers posing as Nebraska Public Power District attempt to steal money from unsuspecting victims. MPPD's Nicole Brumbaugh says if scammer uh, gets contacted that uh, they usually ask for a, a prepaid card to transfer funds and she says most of the time the money is non-refundable. We ask our customers to be aware that Nebraska Public Power District will not ask for immediate payment over the phone. So that's really one way for customers to know that this may not really be the utility company. If you believe you are a target of a potential scam or unsure if you're talking to someone from NPPD, to hang up the phone and call them instead. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroer. At a time. A new facility to support Nebraska's equine industry. On the Rural Ready Network, I'm Bryce Tuskip reporting. The College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources and the Department of Animal Science at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln have embarked on a $4.5 million initiative for a new equine complex on the East Campus. The complex will be known as the Nebraska Equine Sports Complex, and today we are joined by Clint Crable, who is the head of the Animal Science Department at UNL. Dr. Crable, appreciate you being here today. Let's just open up with why now? Why did you announce this project, and what's the inspiration behind it? Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity to visit with you, Bryce. Certainly a really exciting opportunity for us, and and I'll just start by thanking uh, the Richard and and Lorreen Kimmel Charitable Foundation for making the initial million-dollar gift. You know, I I think uh, the interest in equine sports in general has really grown, and and it's been amazing to see uh, not just in the Department of Animal Science, Bryce, but really across the entire University of Nebraska-Lincoln, an interest in both the equestrian team, and, and then more recently, we see an opportunity to grow the rodeo program. And I, I'd say I'd say now, with regard to basically Ernie Wyneth, just continuing to be a strong supporter of those equestrian-related programs, and and so it, things kind of lined up with with timing in terms of uh, Dr. Hingmoss, Tiffany, and and Mike Bame, and and myself all being here and really supporting this concept, and and because it obviously it adds to the footprint in terms of facility and space on East Campus, but really thinking about opportunities this brings to engage students, not only students that are on campus, but also 
as Ernie mentioned in his quote, right, our, our 4-H students from across the state, we have a lot of adult learners out in the state that are equine enthusiasts, and this facility will really be a, a really nice space to bring those folks to campus, expose them uh, not only to this facility, but other things that are going on on East Campus and, and really provide a nice space for interaction. Well, since the initial announcement, I've seen a lot of uh, current students and former students or just those interested in equine uh, really excited about this announcement. Uh, talk about some of the specs of what this is going to look like. If somebody doesn't have the, the nice picture, as I do, sitting in front of me, uh, kind of describe the layout and what will be accommodated in there. Right. So it is It is a, a complex because it contains several different components. And really, we're, we're thinking about starting uh, with, uh, with the stall barn. Uh, and so that will be a stall barn. It will contain 30 indoor stalls but also have some outdoor runs. And so we can really think about that facility growing to, uh, to about 46 total stalls. And really, uh, the, the desire there was was a space where student athletes, particularly those participating in, ro- participating in rodeo, could board or house their horses. So that stall barn is is uh, obviously a major component. The second thing is is a covered arena, and so we're we're looking at uh, a really nice covered arena uh, where we can, uh, you know, practice, certainly practice rodeo, but also create an engagement space for, again, other equine sports and certainly in the summertime ability to bring uh, our 4-Hers and our adult learners interested in equine into a really nice facility under roof uh, where they can where they can ride in, in all sorts of weather. There, there will be a smaller side arena uh, where, again, if you think about rodeo practice, uh, you, can, you can have two events going simultaneously. Just uh, really increases or will increase the, increase the efficiency uh, in terms of our ability to use that uh, that facility. There will be within the stall barn some some classroom and office space. So again, the idea is is really an opportunity to engage learners uh, about horses and so that'll also increase our capacity to add classes and so we're talking about breaking and training Uh, we're talking about reproductive efficiency we're talking about equine health and and the opportunity for the school of veterinary medicine and biological sciences to be able to come over uh, and again have a state-of-art facility where they can where they can interact with horses well, you mentioned it, that the, the Kimmel Foundation has, has made a $1 million leadership gift in support of this new state-of-the-art facility. Uh, two-part question here. I, I assume you're still looking for donations, and the, the second part of that question is, uh, when do you expect to break ground on the facility? Yeah, really, really good question. So, we, you know, we have about $3.5 million to go if, if, if we were able to build the whole thing out from the from the beginning, it's about a four and a half million dollar project, and so we're really uh, this announcement is really just kicking off the fundraising process, 
and uh, the, you know they they tell me, and of course this is this is above my pay grade where those decisions are made. But uh, I think once we get to about half of the total needed, uh, we would think about breaking ground and, and starting the process. So yeah, the next uh, the next few months here will be uh, working with the foundation and, and working hard to attract uh, more support for this facility. And, and as you pointed out. Seems to be a lot of uh, interest. We uh, we gained a lot of traction with this initial announcement, so we're really excited about that. That is Dr. Clint Crable, the department head of the Animal Science Department at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. For more on this announcement, you can visit news.unl.edu. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Whitney Steckel joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. 100 Years of Rodeo is coming to the state of Nebraska this week in Burwell. The Nebraska's Big Rodeo in Burwell, Nebraska is celebrating this centennial anniversary, and we are joined by Jess Helgoth. Jess is the president of the board of directors for Nebraska's Big Rodeo. Jess, tell me a little bit about this 100th year event and what you guys have going on for this anniversary. Oh, we're looking forward to uh, our new specialty act that we hired this year just recently because we didn't know if the chuck wagons were going to get across, but we just got word this morning the chuck wagons got across, so we're excited to have the chuck wagons back for our hunters. But we got Otomas Garcia. He's a trick, kind of a trick roper type guy. He rides a horse, twirls a big loop. Everybody I've talked to says it's a really neat show. So we're looking forward for to having him here for all four performances. We got a carnival this year for the first time in a long time. It's set up on the grounds, so we're looking forward to that. We have a, a brand new rustic-looking general store that is full of 100-year shirts, all kinds of memorabilia. So you know, there's things, there's all kinds of things to do, plus many vendors, and you know, then just your general rodeo events that Nebraska's been, Big Rodeo has been known for over the years. Your chuck wagon races, of course, are going to be here. The Dinnerbell Derby, that's kind of a fan favorite where the, the Colts get let go down the track to go find mom at the other end. Of course, you know, Nebraska's Big Rodeo is known for the wild horse race, and uh, we got a pretty good set of teams for that. I think there's 11 teams entered in the wild horse race this year. Um, and then we added breakaway for the ladies. Uh, breakaway roping is going to be new. So Burwell is going to be a happening place here, you know, starting starting actually today, uh, Tuesday morning. We had our first round of slack here this morning. Seven o'clock performances, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And that, that is a new time. You got trick riders also, about forgot about them. Entertainment in the beer garden, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, right after the rodeo till 1 a.m. Um, we got a different band each night, so it's it's a fun week to be in Burwell. The Saturday morning parade is always a fun time. Going to be going to be bigger than ever. So I guess I just invite everybody Whitney to come out to Burwell. It's our hundredth. It's hard to believe the small town of Burwell, Nebraska, has survived all the hard times and has been able to have a rodeo for. 100 years in a row, but we've managed to do it with lots of great sponsors and, and boosters, and it's it's really been uh, really been a fun time to be a part of it, and I uh, just want to invite everybody. There, there's still plenty of tickets available. We are sold out Saturday night for our reserve area, but general admission 
Tickets can be purchased at the gate. Online sales right now are, have been kind of shut off for Saturday night just because we're we're close to being sold out. We just want to keep a good track of what we have for tickets for Saturday night. Basically, everything's got to come through the ticket office for Saturday now. If you want, you can call the ticket office basically 9 a.m. to to 5 p.m. and then of course tomorrow will be open from 9 till after the wild horse race is done. So I invite everybody to come to Burwell. Well thank you so much for your time today Jess. We appreciate it. Yes Whitney and don't forget we also have a county fair going on too Whitney so things kind of get going with that tomorrow and and wrap up with the 4-H auction on Saturday. Again that is Jess Helgoth president of Nebraska's Big Rodeo. I'm Whitney Steckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Highway use. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network as we check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John, coming into the close, really we started out with quite a bit of strength in the overnight session, then it's just kind of slowly deteriorated out through the day. Is this more fundamentals based in the grain market or is this macro market pressures? We're seeing equities and really just money flow in general tend to not want to be in risky assets today. I guess. It's been pretty slow. We had a little bit of all in the open there, popped up 564 September, then traded 15 down. So all in all, not a great day. Uh, you know, you just see, you can kind of feel the pressure that comes on the market when it's quiet. So when we trade sideways to lower when things are quiet, we're not getting a lot of volume. And then, you know, you tend to see a little bit of movement when we get data. So at some point, I think you kind of look at the coffee space and say, hey, we can, uh, we can break through at some point, but I don't know what's going to make it go. Uh, you know, got the weather forecast, kind of is what it is at this point. You know, high 170s is everybody's kind of narrowed their yield expectations for that part of, a, of the curve. And then looking at the at soybeans, you know, 50 plus and demand questionable given what uh, what's going on with Chinese and U.S. talks here. So short term, I think that's what the market wants to see. We want to see a Chinese action on the buy side. And uh, there's some talk that China booked U.S. corn. Um, we're not hearing a whole lot of pricing on it, but 2 million metric tons possibly. And uh, I think that China's well below the market here looking to buy some breaks. So I expect the harvest low to kind of be made early. Potentially, you know, a year ago is right now. So next couple of weeks here, look at September corn. Just have a hard time believing we're going off at 550 given the basis that we're hearing across a lot of the state. You know, talking about China and the U.S. and China still having rifts currently, but are they going to have to be forced to come to the U.S. with Argentina struggling with low river levels having to uh, put less on ships when they export? Yeah, and don't, not to mention the cost of freight is up. So if you're not loading, if you're kind of loading an expensive moving van, they're saying, hey, we can only load it half. It deters the ability to even, you know, import it altogether. So I think that's a bullish down the road. Right now, I think the market is trying to, or the buy side is, is kind of holding its collective breath, slowly coming to the realization that the prices that we've seen between 2014 and 2019 aren't going to be back in the vogue here. And even the, the prices off the combine a year ago, you know, we were trading in the low mid fours, you know, though that corn is being burned through. And I think now you've come to the realization and we'll have to keep an eye on some of these big food conglomerates. There's only like 11 big brand, big uh, food companies in the, in the country. So we'll see if they start going bankrupt once new crop prices hit. I don't think they will, but that's where the, the pressure is going to come from. I don't think supply side liquidation is going to be where we see it this year. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trade future options of all risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. 
Thank you, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Tuesday. You can catch the Midday Podcast sponsored by Devenny Motors wherever podcasts are available or krvn.com.